Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's good to be with you today and uh, each and every day from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA 99.5 in Los Angeles. Also, KPRZ AM 1210 in San Diego, FM 106.1 if you're in North County. All of Southern California, good to be with you today. You can join the conversation at 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557, 528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. It is good to be with you. I hope that you had a good weekend. And uh, looking through the news, there's a lot of things going on. Of course, January 6th hearings, more bad news in the economic front, some other things like that. I wanted to bring to our attention something as we begin this hour that has been happening, and it's the increase in violence at pro-life pregnancy clinics around the country. And it's increased dramatically in the last couple of months, ever since that potential Supreme Court decision was leaked. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it's been pretty bad and it's increasing on a regular basis. And I think we need to be prepared because as early as even Wednesday this week, the Supreme Court may release their actual opinion that may overturn Roe versus Wade. Most people think it's going to. The debate tends to be, is it going to be five to four or is it going to be six to three, depending on what John Roberts wants to do? That could have changed. That'll be a completely different uh, controversy if it changes and they don't overturn, and, and some people will wonder if the protests at uh, the houses and this kind of violence, the protests at Supreme Court justice house, justices houses that's going on and the violence, people are going to wonder if that changed or intimidated the justices' opinions, uh, which is bad in general. Uh, we, we just can't have that happen in our country. The violence that's going on is something that has not been absent to the abortion debate. In fact, people on the pro-life side, particularly in the 80s and 90s, engaged in a lot of violence. Not most people, you know, not even the majority of people at all. And it's not the majority of pro-choice people, but certain fringe, fringe groups lead to violence and it's pretty bad. So what's been happening here in uh, across the country really since, uh, uh, what, April, I think, or May when that decision got leaked is pro-life pregnancy centers and also churches are being firebombed, attacked, and vandalized, and it is increasing more and more often. I don't know if you see this in the news. It shows up in the news once in a while, and we hear about it on our station, of course, and this is a place to talk about it. And I think one of the reasons that we need to talk about it is as a Christian family, I know many of you listening, maybe you're not Christian, but as, as we come together on this program and we talk about these issues, We need to be prepared, and I think one of the things we need to be prepared for is issues like this one specifically. It doesn't just go away. If if Roe versus Wade is overturned, a lot of people think, well, that ends abortion, but it doesn't. It it will if they if they do it the way they've been saying they're going to do it. It will just give states the opportunity to pass their own laws regarding abortion. Some states will outlaw it mostly. Some will have pretty significant restrictions. Some states like ours are going to increase abortions uh, as people from other states will travel here to get them. So, you know, in California, for us, the debate changes. If you are somebody who is anti-abortion, if you are somebody who, even if you're pro-abortion, the conversation is going to change. The debate is going to change. Uh, I don't think that's bad that the debate changes. I hope they do overturn Roe versus Wade. I think, though, that we're going to have to be aware that in our state, in California, we're a long way from making any progress on this. But I do think that moving the conversation back into interpersonal conversations that we have with people. 
is an important thing and not focusing as much on the law. I'm of the opinion that one of the reasons that the law is going to change is because hearts have changed on this issue nationally. And I think sometimes the laws actually follow where people's heart is ultimately, not all the time. But when you when you read the polls, you'll hear the polls. And we've talked about this before in this program. When you hear the polls say, oh, the majority of Americans don't want Roe versus Wade overturned, that's true if that's the question you ask, because people assume that that means abortion is illegal. But when you actually break it down, polls overwhelmingly show this. They show that the majority of Americans believe that there should be abortions available legally in the first trimester, but the majority of Americans do not believe that in the second and third trimester. And that is essentially what's going to happen if things are decided the way that that leaked document says so, that in many states where there are restrictions, there will still be the availability, including the case itself, the Mississippi case itself, would allow abortions up to 15 weeks. What it does that's interesting is it makes us more like countries around the world, particularly European countries, countries in the West. And I think that's where people's heart is. I think that it's um, still more work to go and, and more active support for women who are in crisis pregnancies, more, I think, teaching and understanding of the role of a a man, which we're kind of just excusing, because frankly, a lot of crisis pregnancies are a crisis because the dude doesn't want to help take care of the kid. And that's what makes it a crisis. And men have got to be challenged and, and really moved to stop doing that, to take responsibility for their actions. That is a big piece of some of what we need to do. You can join our conversation if you'd like, 888-528-2557. That's the number, 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. In several states, the same message has been scrawled across abortion or uh, pregnancy care clinics that have been attacked. The message is if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. And that same message has been scrawled on pregnancy crisis centers in Texas, Wisconsin, North Carolina, and uh, in Washington State also. Exactly the same message. Some people believe it's coming now from a extremist military, militant pro-choice group called Jane's Revenge that started because of that leaked report. And I'm wondering how much violence are we going to see? And we should be aware of it because we need to support these these crisis centers. You know, it's ironic, really, when you think about it, that there are lots of centers where if you go in, they will, they will tell you about abortions and encourage you to have an abortion, but not really help you that much if you want to choose life. And as long as we're talking about choice, there really ought to be the option and help to keep your baby. I think a lot of women, in fact, my experience working with these clinics is that an awful lot of women, given the help, given the hope, the hope of help, the hope of encouragement, the hope of mentors and people who have gone through this, the the help to be able to think through the impact of this decision. A lot of people make the choice very quickly to go ahead and have the baby. And probably the biggest influencer of that in the last few years is the sonogram machine, the ultrasound machine. And that takes out all of the argument of it's just a bunch of cells. It's not really a person. You know, when you see and hear the heartbeat, at uh, what is it, six or seven weeks? That's a pretty profound, a profound moment. I think that we should be aware of this, and we need to respond a certain way. What I'm also concerned about is as we settle into the to a long new argument that's going to be a lot more uh, on the streets, if I were to put it that way, 
meaning maybe particularly in California, less and less in the courts and city governments, at least for the time being. Uh, city governments might be changing because of other issues, because of crime and because of homelessness. And you were seeing an inkling of that here in California right now. But for the long haul, I think in, in our state, this is going to be something that we have to be able to have a rational and reasonable conversation with. And we have to respond to if the other side, the pro-abortion side, and I know that there's some nuance and some of you are thinking, well, I think this and that, I would never do violence. I'm not saying that. I am saying that we need to be able to have a regular conversation. And if you're on the anti-abortion side, and I try, it's hard for me to do it, but I really try to not use pro-life and pro-choice terms because they're, they take us in another direction. Uh, and they take the argument, if you're going to have a debate about it, they take the debate in another direction where you're, you're starting to talk about abortion at first and the specifics around that. But then somebody says, well, if you're pro-life, what do you think about border issues or what do you think about the death penalty or what do you think about how we treat the homeless, other stuff? Those are all you know, legitimate questions when we're talking about the dignity of human life, but they're also profoundly different issues. And when we get stuck on pro-life and we don't really focus on anti-abortion, which is what I would say I am, I'm anti-abortion. Of course, I'm pro-life, but I'm anti this practice of abortion. It it takes us away, and pretty soon we're talking about something else. The same is true with pro-choice. We start talking about pro-choice, and pretty soon we're not talking about choosing life or choosing to have an abortion. We're choosing uh, what doctor to have and whether or not I can get uh, prenatal care from a Planned Parenthood or some other. And suddenly we're not talking about – we're talking about women's health and mammograms, and we're not talking about choice anymore. We're not talking about abortion anymore. So for the the case of discussing this – and I know it's not everybody's favorite topic, frankly. California, we don't like to talk about it. That's what people say. Even Christians, we don't really like to talk about it. Why is that? I mean, it's an uncomfortable subject for sure. I'm, I don't mean why. It's, you know, it's not a fun subject to talk about because it's horrific. And because if you are somebody who has had abortions or you're somebody considering one or you're part of, uh, you know, this affects you personally, it's very difficult. I get it. I understand this. But we are called to speak out for the most vulnerable, for those who are, are weak and those who do not have a voice, and it has to begin with the unborn. And we can talk about that. That same idea is how you tie in other issues like border issues and refugees and things like that, people who don't have a voice, people who are poor, people who are uh, have physical limitations. There are all kinds of issues you can stretch that into, and I'm, I'm for that too. We, should, we ought to be concerned about people, human beings, all who are made in the image of God, and we need to be concerned about the ability they have to come to God, the love that God has for them. We need to have the concern that Jesus would have. I think Jesus has a profound concern really for every person, obviously. He wants everybody to be saved, the scriptures teach us, that it's God's will that everyone would be saved. And he wants people to come to him. And Jesus has a profound feeling about kids. You know, better to tie a millstone around your neck and drop you in the water other you know than to keep these kids from coming to me that's a that is the that's the kind of thing I would say about my kids if they're threatened right that's the kind of thing that I would say as a father if my kids were threatened this way here's a response this comes from Micah Pierce he's the executive vice president of Wisconsin Family Action, and this response came. After his uh, abortion clinic that uh, he runs was firebombed, there's pictures of it. It's firebombed. There's threatening statements. There's anarchist uh, symbols on the wall and uh, the same statement 
um, is said about if abortions aren't safe, then you aren't either. It's very threatening, right? Very, very threatening. This was his response. Go ahead and play clip one. You know, we're doing really great. You know, the the hand of God has been so sweet on us in this moment that to suffer for Christ's sake doesn't really feel like such a heavy burden. And, you know, early on, Dave, one of our, our staff members reminded us in just the first few hours of realizing we, we'd had a Motov cocktail thrown through our office. He said, now's a really good chance to remember to love your enemy. And that's the attitude we have. So if there's a message, it's that, you know, uh, we're not we don't hate you. And um, we, we, as an organization, would love to talk about the issues and never, ever resort to violence. That is a it's a great response. That's a hard response, isn't it? I mean, we get pretty mad about this. And maybe we're thinking I'm going to make some Molotov cocktails myself and throw them back. And I think that's a, a, a human response, of course. But as Christians, this is where the hope is. This is where progress is made. Yes, there's scientific progress with the sonogram and things like that. But when we love those who are persecuting us, when we take the step to actually obey Jesus, it helps tone things down. It helps reduce the violence. It helps us stay, uh, keep our integrity. We lose our integrity when we just do the same thing back. When people on the anti-abortion side have committed violence against abortion doctors, against clinics, uh, I understand, you know, the rationale is, well, they're killing babies inside. We're going to stop them from doing that. You know, I understand that, but that isn't what we are instructed to do. There are lots of people killing people and doing things. We aren't instructed to go out and meet violence with violence. We are instructed to go out and meet those people who are doing evil in the name of Christ and and be willing to get into that arena with the gospel of Christ. There's a lot of studies. We may talk about this later this week where evangelism is not something, sharing the gospel, not something that the church is on board with like it ought to be anymore. Uh, Studies of different conferences that are going on, and you can go to big worship conferences and big leadership conferences, and all those things are, are great. They're necessary. I've been to those things. They're helpful. But where is the church when it comes to teaching how to love on all sorts of issues, particularly people that we disagree with? What if we're wrong on certain issues that are out there? You know, we need to be engaged. And I like this guy's response. It is an opportunity to care for those, and it is how you raise the bar. It's how you get listened to. See, if you just throw the the Molotov cocktail back and you say, oh, yeah, let me uh, say this back to you, we lose credibility. Or at least what it does is it makes us even, right? It makes us the same. And we are supposed to be holy, set apart, different. doesn't mean you don't defend yourself and other things like that. But there are wise ways to do it. Jesus is calling us to that. And this is a place where we go on offense. This is a place where we go, hey, we have the truth in Jesus Christ. And we understand that in this particular issue, it does get complex when it's personal, when you're speaking with a young person who is in a pregnancy that she is not sure that she can carry. There are so many different things and different angles that can be involved. It is so important that we are able to not just have the conversation, but that we are personally involved and that we're able to support. I think it gives the church an opportunity to get on board and actually support these young women. My my experience, I'm going to tell you a couple of experiences. I had one experience where I was volunteering at a pregnancy clinic and a young woman came in. She just came in. She wanted to know where to get an abortion. And we said, well, we don't do that here. Um, And she was pretty adamant about it. And 
she expressed a lot of her fears about it. It was mostly financial. She was very young. Her parents were not supportive of her. They were essentially kicking her out of her house because of it. And the guy, the father, was not interested in being involved, and she was in a bad place, and she was very young. There was a wealthy benefactor in this organization who was there when she came in, in the room, uh, in the lobby. And he, it was brought to his attention, her, her story, and he offered to pay for all of her bills and even allowed her to stay in a guest house that he had. And the interesting thing is, the moment he made that offer, she changed her mind and chose to have the baby. One guy had the resources to say, I can take care of those needs you just said. And she said, okay. She didn't even have to think about it, which to me said, deep down, the last thing she wanted to do was give up her baby, but she didn't feel like she had any other choice. And the truth is, is she would have, had that person not done that, she very likely would have given up, uh, had the abortion. And who knows where she would be now? Now, I don't know what happened to that kid. I know the baby was born and I knew the story long enough for that. I don't know the story, but I'll bet the baby's glad to be born and I'll bet she's glad. And she was taken care of. There are so many things that the church needs to do to help actually take care of people where it's a lot more than just, than just preaching or a lot more than just convincing people to choose life. We need to be connected. This is a place for churches. This is a place where churches do that together. You might be saying, ah, well, that person had millions of dollars and could just drop at the drop of a hat do that. Yes, that one person can do that. Here's something I firmly believe. And in, in my whole life in ministry, okay, 25 years in ministry as a pastor in a church vocationally, my dad's a pastor. I've been in the church forever, right? I was running the sound in, in church meetings when I was nine years old or something, right? I get the church. I think that when churches do things together, when we support groups like this, when we uh, do other things together, I think there's so much more that we can do together. It's hard for one church to do it. Your church may not have enough budget to keep the doors open, to turn the water on. You may not have enough budget to pay the electric bill. You may not be able to afford a pastor. Minimum wage is going up. There's all kinds of the inflation. All of that is hitting your church for sure. But Christians together, your church and another church down the street and another church across town, imagine if we worked together what those resources look like for all kinds of things. My friends, that's a big deal. And this one matters. We're talking about saving lives. We're talking about bringing people to Christ. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. One of the most profound experiences I ever had in my life as a pastor a young man came to my office. This was several years ago. I never met him. He came to our church because we had a big college ministry and he was a college student. And he came in and he sat down and he said, I'm not a Christian, but I've been to your college group a couple of times. I said, okay. He said, I would like to talk about why it is. He said, I think I figured out why Christians believe that sex should be reserved for marriage. That's what he said. I thought, okay, I'm going to have a philosophical conversation with this kid. And so we start talking about that. And we start talking about the reason for intimacy, the, you know, we get into studies about how, you know, your relationship stops growing often when you, when you go there because you've, you're kind of getting fulfillment in this one area. And that seems like it's great. It seems like what it's about, but you stopped growing in, 
in relationship as friends. You don't conflict. You're, you're, everything always leads to the same place. And then what happens is later on, you either break up and you, you're heartbroken over things and that intimacy is lost, or you, sometimes you get married and the only int- intimacy you had, intimacy you had was in physical touch and the things that go along with it. And uh, you can't get along for the rest of the day with this person. So we started talking about that and all the sort of philosophy. And then he does this. He starts to shake all of a sudden and he breaks down and he tells me the real reason that he's coming to see me. The real reason he's coming to see me is his girlfriend is pregnant. And he says his girlfriend is pregnant and she is going to have an abortion. And she has run off to do this. She doesn't know. He doesn't know where she is. He wants to keep the baby, support the baby. He'll, he'll raise the baby. Everything that a man ought to be saying in that circumstance, he's committing to. And he's starting to cry. When we come back from the break, I'm going to tell you what happened. Because I hesitate to use the word miracle because I think we overdo it so often with things that are just how God works. and Everything's miraculous in that way. But something amazing happened in this story. And it happened because of a pregnancy crisis center. And it happened because of, of, I think, just the movement of the Holy Spirit in a moment of what happened. And when we think about these things, my friends, I want you to know this, this is the relationship you have with people that you know. In these issues, there's the politics, there's the left and right, there's the voting, there's the yelling and screaming and the violence. But when we get down to it as Christians, what we do in our relationship with one another and in really helping people, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where God gets the glory. This is where God is glorified. I'll finish that story here in just a second. You can join the conversation at 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Southern California Live Monday edition. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be right back. Welcome back, Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host. Good to be with you today on this Monday, 888-528-2557, if you would like to call and join our conversation, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we started off talking about some of the violence that's happening at pregnancy crisis clinics, particularly the pro-life ones. Uh, Right now, it's been happening as the anticipated Supreme Court decision is coming that will likely overturn Roe versus Wade unless they've changed it since the leaked version came out. I was telling a story about a kid who came to my office and I say kid, he's a grown-up, he's a college student, okay? I don't know, he was 20 or 21. He went to San Diego State University and he came in my office and the question that he asked as I was explaining before the break, he asked me just kind of as a pastor, he said he figured out why he thinks um having sexual relations is reserved for marriage. And so we talked about that for a while and talked about the philosophy and the, all the different things. And then he started to shake and he started to cry. And then he started to tell me the real reason for the visit, the real reason that he had figured out in his mind why it is that Christians believe that sex should be held off for marriage. He was not a Christian. He told me that when he first came in there. He said he'd been to the college group at our church. We had a really big, at that church, a really big college ministry uh, for a while. And a lot of kids came to his blast. So uh, he comes in, we talk about it. And then he tells me that his girlfriend is pregnant and she has decided that she's not going to keep the baby and she's going to have an abortion and he's devastated by this. And he has said that he was 
he's doing everything that a a man in this situation should do. Earlier, we talked about how a lot of pregnancies are crisis pregnancies, primarily because the man doesn't want to take any responsibility. Like there's there's such a huge man problem with all of this that I don't think we talk about enough. I think that as a culture, we need, if we want to address abortion, we've got to talk about the men and their involvement. We've got to talk about the men and their commitment. If you're going to commit to the act, then you better commit to everything else. And that's not every reason why a woman chooses not to have a baby, chooses to have an abortion, but it's a lot of it sometimes. Well, this kid, was he would marry her. He would do whatever it took to have this baby. He said he would raise the baby on his own, He was and he was devastated that, in this case, he was going to lose his child. So we talked about that, and he's breaking down. And I'll never forget, he's just sitting across from me on the desk, and he's crying now. Big kid. And I said, well, where's your girlfriend? And he said, I don't know. Now, here's where things just got just kind of wild. And this is something that the Lord does. The the Lord just does some incredible things all the time. And I'm telling you this because I want you to have hope. I want you to to not look at the the violence and all the negativity that's on the news all the time. On our program, we're going to talk about the news and we talk about these things, and it's just so negative. You know, but our hope is always in Christ. And even in this, and this is what's happening all the time. These things don't get reported, right? This story is not going to make the news this story is not going to make the newspaper. It's only making this show, and I'm, this is 20 years ago. This is a long time ago. This It's making this show now because I'm going to talk about it, but otherwise you'd never hear this story. But these things happen all the time that I'm about to explain. So he's upset about it, and uh, he wants to know if I can talk her out of it. And he says, and I said, okay, well, where is she? And he goes, well, she doesn't live here. She goes to Loyola Marymount in Los Angeles. And I said, oh. Okay, and so she's up there, and uh, he said, yeah, and he said, so she called me and said that today she's got her appointment. She's going to go get an appointment, that's what she said, for a, uh, to get an abortion. And the way he was talking about it, she was just bound and determined that there was was no discussion to be had. That was her decision. It was her choice. She's not a believer either, and uh, so there you go. Okay, so what we, I said, all we can do here is we can pray. I said, we don't know where she is. We don't know how to reach out to her. And I believe she had a cell phone and we tried to call it, but she wasn't answering. And, uh, you know, back in those days, you had a little little flip phone kind of things. Um, uh, Well before the smartphone, which uh, you could not answer your smartphone also. You should put it down once in a while. It'd be good for you. So we decided to pray. And we... He had never really prayed before, so I kind of said, well, I'll pray. You just pray. You pray to God, and we're going to do that, and we're going to ask God that she would change her mind. We're going to ask God, and here's the thing that happened that was remarkable. In that prayer, we asked God to lead her to a pregnancy counseling center that would give her options other than having the abortion. At that time, I had been pretty well aware and involved with some of these centers, and I knew that there is help. And it's not help all the time, and it's not something that, you know, lots of ladies will go in and turn right around when they don't get what they are looking for. But some do. And honestly, in my heart at the time, I don't, I don't think I had the, you know, the sense from him anyway that there was any movement at all uh, on her part that that was possible. So we just had to pray that God would change her heart. And so we did. We said this prayer. Okay, God's going to change your heart. And so we said it. And then I tried to change the conversation a little bit into, 
hey, you know, you came in here and you said you don't believe in Jesus, in a way changing the subject, not really changing it, but saying, hey, you want to talk about Jesus now and your soul and those kinds of things, and he wouldn't go for it. He said, I think we need to find her. And I said, well, we're in San Diego and she's in LA. How are we going to find her? And he goes, I want to call all the clinics up there, every clinic there is, and just let them know who I am. (laughs) Okay. And here was the most amazing thing. I go on the internet, which was fairly new at the time, but good enough. And I just Google, if it was Google, it was probably Yahoo or one of those other ones. Uh, Probably not Netscape. This is probably beyond that if you're you know, that old, I go in there and look for uh, pregnancy centers, just generic, and it brings up all of them. I am not kidding. I went in there and we kind of said, okay, these are the ones that are within the vicinity of her college. Uh, Let's call this one. No joke. The first one we called, totally random. I called and said, I'm Pastor Scott Furrow, and I have this person in my office, and he's, he's hoping that maybe his girlfriend will come in there, and we just prayed. And uh, he wants you to know that he is available to raise this kid, that he will do anything, and he wants her to know, and he wants you to know that in case she comes in, then she is going to, uh, that you would be able to tell her that. I am not kidding. The lady puts me on hold. She comes back not 30 seconds later, and she goes, what's her name? I said, the name. And she goes, she was just in here. And she said she was in here for a couple of hours. She's decided not to have the baby, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. I mean, she's decided to have the baby, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. And she just left. And we were stunned. I had this on speakerphone, and this guy falls off the chair in a little ball and starts crying on the floor because God had just answered our prayer. We prayed that she would go into a clinic that would help her in this area, and they did. And then he accepted Christ there in my office. You know, the the Lord is going to work in incredible ways, and God is working all the time. Maybe we don't always hear these stories, and we just hear all of the, the negative and the frustration. Let me tell you something, and you know this, and you can share stories. If you've got God moments like this, we'd love to hear them. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. You know, this is a moment that's just miraculous. What are, the, what are the odds? Many clinics came up. What are the odds that out of the blue, we would just call the one that she happened to be, that she had happened to go into? What are the odds of that? It's got to be astounding. You know, I suppose there, you could, there's probably some odds, right? There's, I don't know, there's 25 clinics we could have called in that area maybe. And uh, so there's some possibility of that. What are the odds that she had already been in there, that God had answered our prayer in this way? This happens all the time. And this is one of the things that is the great work of, of these clinics because what they're also doing is allowing for real choice. One of the other, I mentioned how I don't like the terms really pro-life or pro-choice because it, they're politically charged, right? They can mean a whole lot of other things. And the problem with pro-choice often is that when you're saying you're pro-choice, you're often not pro-choice. You're pro-abortion, but you really don't want the choice to have the child. If you were, then the Planned Parenthoods and that type of place would also offer a lot of family planning for people who decide not to have abortions and not really push you in that direction. You would really want a choice, right? If you if you really want to be pro-choice in this area, if you really want to say, okay, women ought their own body and all the arguments, then you really have to give a real choice. And that means you inform. That means you give both sides. That means that you 
at you do the sonograms, you do the the uh, all the testing, and you you give the real options, you give the psychological impact, you talk about all those things. See that that's a choice. It's not a choice if you aren't given all the facts. All right, if you are given a choice about anything in, in your life, it's not a choice if you aren't given all the pertinent information. Uh, it's not a choice, uh, you know, if you aren't given the option to to know what the downside is. Then you're you're not really making a choice. Does that make sense? This is why this, these things are so important, and this is why our relationships with one another are important. This is why it's important to pray, to really pray and believe that God can do miraculous things, that God wants to answer our prayer. Now, here, let me, I'm going to give you a big thing here. I think one of the reasons that God answered this prayer so well is because the, the man here had decided to also do the right thing that he was going to be honorable, that he wasn't approaching God and saying, God, I don't want her to have this abortion and I want to have my baby, but I'm not going to participate. He, he wasn't saying, I want her to go through the pregnancy and everything, that, and I want her to have bear the cost. I want her to raise the kid while I go off and get my degree and do whatever I'm doing and I'll visit once in a while on weekends if we can have some kind of arrangement. He wasn't saying that. He was saying, God, I don't even know if I know you or if I believe in you. He was saying, God, I am going to do what I'm called to do as a man. He didn't even know what that meant. He knew, he did know what it meant. Like he, he didn't know what it meant spiritually until the end. He was figuring it out. God was working in his life. I think that has a lot to do too with, with God answering our prayer in these areas. And in a big area for the church is if we're going to pray that abortions continue to go down, and especially here in, in California, then I think what's key to the answer to that is that we as believers are ready to get into the arena and help. That we aren't asking God to do something purely miraculously and mystically, but we're not going to do anything. See, I think God wants us to act. I think he wants us to help men and women in this situation. I think he wants us to teach what is true relationally about men and women, what is real about raising a kid and all of those different things. We'll come back for your phone calls. The number is 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host for this Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. It's Southern California Live for this Monday, June 13th. Great to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. We're talking about... Amazing things the Lord can do when we pray, and especially if we are submitting to his will and doing what he's going to call us to do if he answers our prayer, 888-528-2557. Denise from Los Angeles, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes. Hi, Denise, go ahead. Hi. Um, Well, my name is Denise. I'm from Northridge, California. I've just recently started listening to you guys. Um, I've devoted my life to Christ over the past three weeks, and I'm just on this spiritual journey of cleansing my life, listening to unclean music or participating in ungodly things, which is like smoking or drinking or going out, you know, partying and all of these things are not of God. Denise, Uh, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We're really glad to have you as a part of our, our family here. Thank you so much. Um, well, I was just listening on the radio, and I wanted to call in because I had this wonderful experience with the Lord. Um, I was just sitting in my room praying to God, you know, 
now that I'm on this clean path, um, I was just praying to God that he would come into my life and come into my children's life. And I prayed to God. I said, God, please show my son, like, who you are, that you are real. You know, my, and my son is eight years old, you know, but right. I want my I want to raise my son up in the Lord so that he doesn't go astray. And so I said, Lord, please come into my child and show him that you are real. And so I went to sleep, and um, the next day my son told me, he said, Mom, I had this scary but good dream. And I'm like, oh, really? What did you dream about, sweetie? And he said, I had a dream that there was this spirit or something trying to get me, like following me, coming after me. And he said, I said, God, and it went away. And he said, it came back, and I said, God, again, and then it left me forever. And this was just confirmation that when you surrender wholeheartedly to the Lord and live according to the Lord's will, he will manifest himself, and what you ask for, as long as it's according to his will, what he sees fit for you, it will work. And I am truly blessed, and I'm truly honored to be walking in righteousness now with the Lord, because I truly believe the rapture is coming sooner than what people think. You know, I don't want to be blind in this world. I want the veil removed from my eyes. I want to make it into heaven. I know that we are truly spiritual beings, and this is just a, a experience here, and we are just being tested to see if we are worthy enough to be in heaven. And I know I want to make it to heaven. I want my children to go to heaven, because I know God said, as parents, you know, we will be held accountable for not teaching our children the right way, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I felt it was very important for me to instill the Lord in my son. So now we just go over the Ten Commandments every day. I go over a command with a commandment with him and break it down, and we talk about it throughout the day. So that way he will already know as a child what the Lord expects of him and what it is to be a true Christian instead of him letting him grow up misguided and then trying to fix the situation later because habits formed by them. Yeah. And I was watching another sermon on um, YouTube. I forget who the pastor is, but it was a really good sermon, and he was saying, the choices that we make create these chains for us. And even though we don't realize that these small, simple choices, you know, are creating links and links and links, and after a while they become habits. You just start doing it without thinking. It just becomes automatic, and that's who you are. And we have to pay attention to the choices that we make. Do they honor the Lord or do they honor Satan? Because you can only serve one or the other. It doesn't matter how small we think it is. You're still either serving one or the other. And so God has taken the veil off of my eyes, and I just want to say I'm truly blessed. God is real. Heaven is real. Hell is very much real, and I want to go to heaven. I want eternity in heaven. I don't want to suffer in torment, and I don't want that for my children either. So if there's anybody listening out here, please instill the Lord in your children. If you please instill the Lord in your children. You know, Denise, I'm so glad about your call, and uh, you're praying for your son. That that matters. You just got to keep praying for him. It's a hard world. You know, my kids are almost your kid's age, 10 years old and 13, it's a hard world we're bringing them into. Yes. Yeah. And I, I want to make sure that you know something, too, is that you you obviously have some things that you've given up to the Lord, and that's great. And, you know, none of us are none of us are perfect. You know, we're going to struggle at different times. And and uh, you, you mentioned something about being worthy, you know, to the Lord. And we definitely want to walk, you know, in this life worthy of the life we've been called to. 
and and that matters. But I also want you to know and make sure that that everybody listening hears this too, that the reason that we can do that is because Jesus died for us, that he took the penalty for your sins and that they're washed away and you don't have to earn it back. Jesus earned it for you. And, you know, that takes a lot of the pressure off. You know, you want to live your life worthy, but know that you have forgiven us, that there is grace and your son does too. Um, But I want to make sure that you, you know that know that you are loved and that you are part of the family of God because of what Jesus did. And uh, you understand that, don't you? Yes, I do. Okay, good. I'm uh, so happy for you. And can I pray for you before you go? Sure. I appreciate it. it. Do you have uh, more than one child? Yes, I do. I have an eight-year-old Malachi and an eight-month-old Josiah, both men from the Bible. An eight-month-old. Okay. Eight years and eight months. You're busy. <laughs> uh, Malachi, <laughs> Malachi, and uh, Josiah. Josiah. All right. Yes. Pray real quick. God, thank you for Denise. I thank you that she knows who Jesus is. That she knows that she is saved by a grace. And I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen her and just encourage her. We thank you for what you're, you've done in Malachi's life as an eight-year-old, real and and responding in this way to this dream and uh, that he would fully commit his life to you and that you would give Denise all of the the wisdom that she needs as a mom today, both for for Malachi and for Josiah. She's eight months. There's so many things coming. I pray that you would bless her, that you would strengthen her, that you would surround her with the family of God who loves her, that she would be in a good church, uh, that they would lead her into uh, knowing the Lord more. Thank you, Lord, for Denise and for her in our family, too, on this show. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Denise, thank you for sharing your story today. We love you. No problem. I hope hope you guys pray. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. See, that uh, the Lord is doing amazing things all the time. That's that story right there. I think when you go to heaven, you know, I don't know. Maybe we're going to ask all kinds of questions about this world, but I don't know. I think maybe the headlining stories are like Denise's story. That's what the headline is going to be on the newspaper. Uh, I feel like in this time, we just want to know what's right, right? We want to know what's right about all these political issues and this and that. I think when we go to heaven, it's, it's going to be all about what God was doing in these amazing things. And he's going to, he's going to want to know what's on our heart. He's going to want to know if we lived for him and all of that. But but we need the confidence in knowing that if you know Jesus, if you've accepted the grace of Christ through of, of God through Jesus, that Jesus lived the perfect life that you can't live and you get credit for it by belief, by faith, by trust, that your sins, your guilt, your spiritual angst is relieved at the cross. Jesus took all of that upon himself for you and you get everlasting life. This is the work. This is the work of the church and making disciples to make sure that people know who Jesus is. This is, in all the stuff, the work of Christ doesn't change. In all the weird stuff the last couple of years, our weird politics, the COVID, the sicknesses, the the shootings, the school problems, whatever it is, we are blessed to have a purpose and a Savior, Jesus Christ, who never changes, who loves us, who has welcomed us into his family. I hope everybody knows that. I think it is so important. I I had a guy one time, and I'll close with with this. He went to the doctor. He was old. He was like 95 years old. And he 
goes to the doctor because he's not feeling well. And the doctor says to him, well, you're dying. In fact, you're going to die probably today. And, you know, he's like, really? I drove myself here. I'm not kidding about this. This is, this is how it goes. So I go over to his house, and he and his wife are, still, are sitting there, and we're having this conversation. Uh, and he's going to die soon. In fact, he would die a couple hours later. He just, the way he went, I guess it's the way we would all hope to go, but he just said, you know what, I'm getting tired. I'm going to go lay down, lay down and die. That was it. I asked him, I said, no, you know, in a few hours, you're going to meet Jesus. What are you going to ask him? And, you know, he said something that stuck with me. I think of all these things that I want to know about, right? And I want to ask the Lord. This is what he said. His name was Charles Davis was his name. He said, I expect when I meet Jesus that I'm not going to have any questions, that all of my questions will be answered. He didn't mean that like he knows it all. He meant that, that he felt like he's going to be so complete that the curiosities he has, the struggles that he has, the things that maybe in this life you want to know why, he just gave this answer like, I expect I'm not going to have any questions, that everything is going to be taken care of. And, you know, I don't know if that's the way it is or not, but I suspect there's something about that that's very true, that's very comforting, The that even if you have questions, I kind of hope that I get a chance to sit down with Jesus for a while. We have infinite amount of time. He can do that with everybody as long as you want and say, well, what about this? And what happened here? And, you know, I don't know. Maybe you don't care. And that was kind of where I think he's going. It's like, you know what? I'm saved. The work of the Lord has been completed in me, and I'm looking forward to that. And he went in and laid down, and uh, he was maybe a half an hour from my home when I left. He had passed away before I even got home and got to go be with Jesus. My friends, there is always hope in Christ, and God is always doing something. And if there are headlines in heaven, it's not what we're seeing today in the L.A. Times or in whatever news magazine you like. The headlines are in regular people's lives just like you. Look at what so-and-so, look at what God did for so-and-so. Look at what, what Bob did um, for Christ. Look at what, what Denise did in raising her kids and teaching them about Jesus. Look at these are the stories, stories of hope, stories of redemption, stories of grace, stories of mercy, stories of justice, all of it, it's done by Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? That's why we call it good news. It is good news. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today. We'll have hour two here in just a moment. Looking forward to that. Lots of crazy stuff in the news. Is your computer alive? Maybe we'll talk about that later. Guy at Google says, uh, it's already coming. I don't know if that's really true. We'll talk about some news and some other things and, uh, keeping the hope going. This is Scott Furrow. This is Southern California live. We'll be right back. Just stay tuned.